You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. There's that sigh of relief because it's, you know it's just going to make Christmas even, even better. And Christmas Day, there's the food and not just any food. I don't know about what you do for your family Christmas, but I have this chicken dish that I only ever cook on Christmas Day. It's become tradition now, and if I don't cook it, I get in trouble. And it's awesome. And, far, and not only that, we have turkey, ham, prawns, salads, just the list goes on. It's a feast. And then there's dessert. That's probably actually my favourite. There's cheesecake, trifle. My mother-in-law makes a mean trifle. And ice cream. And you sit back after Christmas lunch and you can barely move. It's awesome time of year. So maybe you feel like that guy in the clip where you're just so overwhelmed and so excited about what Christmas Day is going to hold this year. And one of the fav- my favourite Christmas carols ever is called Oh Holy Night. I'm sure most people here would know that Christmas carol. And one of the lines in that says... Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and our soul felt its worth. Christmas time is a time of joy. It's a time to recognise our worth in God, remembering Jesus being born for us. But that's probably not how everyone here feels this morning. You might actually be sitting here thinking and watching that video clip and going, that's what I used to feel like. That's what I remember Christmas being. But that's not what it's like this year. I used to feel joy. I used to be merry. I used to look forward to the presence of my family. I used to look forward to the gifts under the tree. But Christmas this year is actually a really, really tough time. It's not joyous. It's not happy. And it actually feels more like a storm. It feels like a whirlwind. And it's crazy. And you're sitting there thinking, how am I going to manage? Maybe you're deeply missing loved ones that are no longer here with you. Maybe you don't feel like cooking because it's so hot. Maybe all your family are away in a different part of the state or the country or overseas. Maybe you just don't have the money to put together to make that Christmas feast that you're dreaming of. And on the outside, you're smiling because we're supposed to be happy. It's Christmas. But on the inside, it's a different story. Christmas is not so merry for you. It's a struggle to find your worth. Christmas is not really so anything for you. You're feeling a bit numb. And it's a whirlwind. It's a storm. And maybe you feel like your world is full of chaos and your soul is pining and you're struggling to find the end bit of that carol, that you're worth. Where is my worth this Christmas? And when we hear the story of Christmas... When we look at the Christmas cards and we picture that nativity scene, those Christmas cards and the story make it sound so peaceful and wonderful that first Christmas. The pictures on the cards, I don't know if you've seen them any recently, it's this perfect manger, the straw is pristine. The animals are just sitting there silently and quietly, not making any mess. The wise men are there in their beautiful robes, they don't smell from the long journey, They're, they're quite nice. Everything is perfect. Mary and Joseph are just relaxed, baby Jesus is asleep, And it's picture perfect. And I think that very first Christmas wasn't actually so merry as what those cards and what the Christmas carols sometimes make out. I think that very first Christmas and the lead up into Christmas was actually quite chaotic. It was probably more like Mary and Joseph felt like they were in a storm. 
and they were wondering how God's promise was going to play out. It probably wasn't all sweet and rosy like we sometimes imagine. It was actually really difficult for them. You imagine the dynamics of their extended family. You imagine the dynamics of what was going on in the situation in first century Jerusalem back then. It was chaotic and it was stormlight. So let's just read the first few verses of Matthew like we've already heard. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So let's get a little bit of context into this passage because when we hear it every Christmas or you've heard it in Christmas carols or wherever you've heard it, it can actually be easy because we become almost numb to it hearing it over and over again year by year and we can actually miss what's going on here. So back a few thousand years ago in first century Jerusalem, engagement was very different to what we know of engagement today. So most marriages back then came about by arranged marriage and it was called betrothal and that involved two families getting together in a formal contract and they pledged a man and a woman to each other and this formal contract was considered so binding it was considered almost like married even though they weren't married engagement betrothal so when you were betrothed to someone and you wanted to to um I guess break up is the word for it, or release the other person from its betrothal, it wasn't a matter of going up to the person saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I no longer want to be in this relationship. It was actually like a divorce, or it was a divorce, because this betrothal was a legal binding contract, even though they weren't officially married. So Mary and Joseph are in this situation. And the time of betrothal in the New Testament was a time when the bride would gather her belongings, they would adjust, she would adjust her relationships with her parents, her siblings, and occasionally get to know her fiancé a little bit better. And the groom also used this time to go and build a house or build rooms on his father's house so he could bring his bride in and they could live as a family. But as we read this story, it's interesting because there's a time gap which we sometimes don't, we sometimes miss. There's a time gap between when Mary was told by the angel that she was going to conceive the Son of God and a time gap between when the angel visited Joseph to tell him actually what Mary is saying is the truth, that the baby she is going to have is actually the Messiah, the promised one. So we're going to have a little look at that time gap. So Mary is pregnant. So back in those days, if you became pregnant and you weren't yet married, it was actually a really big deal. It would have been considered that Mary committed adultery and that kind of thing was punishable by death. It's a big deal. And this death wasn't a nice, easy, quiet death. This was an absolute public event, humiliating the town gossip. Mary could have potentially been dragged down to the streets. The crowds would have picked up stones and thrown them at her until she died. So this is the situation Mary's in because she at the moment, is at the start of this story, is the only one who knows the truth. A horrible situation to, go, to be in. And Mary would know this in the back of her mind that if she is caught and people don't understand the situation or God doesn't reveal things, she's going to be stoned. So imagine her fear in this gap time. 
She knows the truth, but no one else does yet. And nowhere in the history of mankind has a virgin ever had a child. So why would anyone believe her? Can you imagine her saying that to people? They'd think she was crazy, an absolute crazy liar. So imagine the tension as she goes up to Joseph that very first time to say, Joseph, I've been visited by an angel and I'm going to have a child and this is going to be the son of God. Imagine Joseph in that situation. But Mary was faithful and she was trusting God. How do you make people believe that you're still a virgin, that you haven't broken your betrothal? I can imagine her anguish as she goes to Joseph. I can imagine her step by step walking there that day, praying to God, going, God, give me the words. God, you've got to intervene in this situation. This is scary. And I'm pretty sure in that moment, Mary would have felt intense loneliness. It was tough. How do you see what, how God is going to fulfill his promise when you just can't see past the immediate situation? How do you hold on to what God has promised you when what's happening around you doesn't make sense? So then we come to Joseph. So imagine here, Joseph hearing this news for the very first time. I'm pretty sure that news wasn't met with joy and laughter. I'm pretty sure this news would have been met with worry, betrayal, anguish, heartache, anger, sadness, I don't know, the list goes on. All emotions. Because Joseph thinks in this moment that Mary's betrayed him. He thinks that she's broken her promise to him. He thinks that she's cheated on him. He'd be devastated by that news. And not only that, thinking that his fiance is going to be stoned to death in a very humiliating, public, town gossip kind of death. And what about the parents? So back then in first century Jerusalem, the kind of average age for getting married was in your teen years. So people, scholars think that Mary was actually about 14 years old. So still living at home. So imagine Mary coming home and telling her parents, mum, dad, I'm pregnant with God's son. Can you imagine the parents in this moment as well? The Bible doesn't actually say, but it, I can imagine th them thinking, as parent, I'm a parent, I can imagine thinking, I didn't raise her to be like this. We gave her the best we could. We took her to the synagogue. We gave offerings at the temple on her behalf. We taught her morals. We've loved her, and now we're in this situation. Mary's going to die. And what about Joseph's parents? Maybe they were thinking, I can't believe we made a contract, a legal contract with this family. We thought this was an upstanding Jewish family. We thought Mary was a good girl. How do we live with this shame and humiliation? Because the whole town's going to know. So this wasn't a very Merry Christmas. It was a situation of scandal and humiliation. But the Bible says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So he still doesn't know. But Joseph is a pretty awesome guy, even in the not knowing, because he says he was a righteous man. He didn't want Mary, even though he thinks he's, she's broken a promise, to go through that public humiliation. He must have had some deep love and respect for her. So he was going to do it quietly, to avoid that public scene, to avoid that neighbourhood gossip. And like I said before, like we talked about, 
they were legally bound. So he had to do this through, I guess, the legal system. Joseph and Mary are in a storm. So maybe you're here in the lead up to Christmas and you're kind of relating to the story of Mary and Joseph. You feel the weight of the mistakes you've made in the past. You feel like you're struggling and you're just looking for God in the situation. You can't see him right now. Maybe you've had promises from God and you're just wondering how on earth is this going to play out because the situation around me is so chaotic. Or maybe you feel like Mary in those early days, you feel so that deep loneliness, you feel abandoned and you're about to give up. The stars this Christmas aren't shining as brightly in your life. And maybe you feel like you're relating more to Joseph where you're feeling betrayed, you're hurt, you're in a storm. So quite a few years ago before I met Jeff, my husband, I was working for a small company and there was a handful of employees and we were a really close-knit, tight group of um, workmates and it was a really fun place to work. But we also knew that the company was struggling. There'd been talk from the manager saying, hey, we need to pick up sales, we need to do this and that because if we don't, someone's going to have to lose their job. So it came time, we knew this was all happening, we were all kind of working our hardest and one day the manager called me in and said, you know what, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go. We actually really love what you're doing, but you are the last to be employed. We have some long-term employees here. You're the first to go. I'm really sorry. I lost my job a week before Christmas. And at that stage, I was living at a home. I had rent to pay. I had food to buy, bills like everyone else here. It was really tough. I was young and I didn't have a lot of savings. And I was thinking, how am I going to get through this? But that was not the end of my story. And for Mary and Joseph, we don't just stop there at their story. The story doesn't end in Mary dying because, and God having to go to plan B because God doesn't have plan Bs. Everything is plan A. The story doesn't end in divorce and death because God appeared to Joseph. He intervened and he changed the story. Matthew 1 verse 20 goes on to say, As Joseph considered this, the divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph saw God in the situation. I can imagine Joseph having that visitation from the angel and the relief. Mary was actually telling the truth. Because I think if all of us were in Joseph's situation, we would have done exactly the same as him without that divine intervention. He didn't humiliate Mary. He didn't divorce her. He went with his original plan. He married her, baby and all. So imagine the privilege as Joseph was pondering this, thinking, God's chosen me to be part of Jesus' story. God's chosen me to raise the Son of God here on earth. What a privilege. Going back to the parents, Mary and Joseph, it doesn't actually say anything more about the parents, but you can imagine there is potential that the parents continue to believe that this child was born out of wedlock. We don't know, but there is that potential. It doesn't say that the angels came and visited the parents and said, hey, this baby's okay, your kids are okay. They might have had to deal with the shame of other people thinking that this child was not the son of God. 
But they saw Jesus in their storm. They knew that God was in their situation and it changed everything. So no matter what is going on in your unmerry heart this morning, no matter if you're feeling God's presence or not, it's not the end to your story. God interacted with Mary and Joseph and he completely changed the situation. What could have turned out disastrous, he turned out to a joyous day when Jesus was born. And Jesus and God can interact in your story too and he can change your situation. Christmas is coming and it's a fun time to celebrate the physical presence, the presence of our family and friends, the food. And it's also a time to remember that Jesus came and he intervened in the world story. He showed up and there was hope. So you might be feeling like you're stuck in sin and error pining, but it's not the end because till he appeared and our souls felt our worth, our soul can feel our worth in Jesus. So back to my story. In my story, I was actually unemployed for about three months and three months of applying for different jobs. And just when I was at the end of my storm, I was thinking, God, you have to provide something for me. I'm running out of money. God did. He stepped in. And I actually got a better job, better pay, better hours. And it was awesome. And it actually allowed me to do youth ministry more easily. It was great. God intervened in my story. It just sometimes took, it took a little bit of time. And last year, I have four kids, and last year before my kids went on holidays from school, I got together with my sister and we do painting. And we do this thing called prophetic art, where we get together with a canvas and paints, we turn on worship music and we just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we try and listen to what he's saying and to put that on canvas. I know it sounds a little bit funny. So this day, we were doing it last year, it was December. I didn't quite know what I was going to paint. So I started out with green because I felt like I needed to paint green. So I was like, okay, put some green on the canvas. And as I was painting, I felt like God said, look for the diamond in the storm. And I was thinking, okay, that's a really cool phrase, God, but what do I do with that? And then I'm like, I need to paint a diamond. So I'm like, diamonds, that should be easy. Turns out diamonds are actually really hard to paint. So I started painting this diamond and then started back around with the green. And um, a picture will come up on the screen of this painting because I thought it was, it's really been impactive to me. So God said to me in December last year, the diamond is the diamond in the storm. And that's not an ordinary diamond. The diamond represents Jesus. Look for Jesus in the storm of life. Look for Jesus when things are chaotic around you, when things are going crazy, because Jesus is there in the whirlwind and he is invaluable, he is beautiful, he is spectacular, and he is right in the middle with you. Look for Jesus in the storm. Look for the diamond. And on that first Christmas back in first century Jerusalem, it truly was a holy night because Jesus was born. Jesus, the diamond in Mary and Joseph's storm. Jesus was the presence in the midst of their chaos. Christmas is a perfect time for us to stop, to take note of what's going on around us and inside us. So maybe this morning you are actually feeling very merry, like the guy in the clip at the start where everything is exciting and Christmas is something you're looking forward to. But maybe you've forgotten about 
the diamond in the storm. Maybe you've forgotten about Christmas this, uh, sorry, Jesus this Christmas. Presents, food, families, they're all part of it, but the real reason is Jesus. Jesus came in flesh, came on earth to experience everything we experience and to feel everything we feel, and he came to die on the cross so we could have forgiveness of our sins so our soul can find its worth. And it is a holy night because the Saviour was born. Jesus' presence can show us purpose in our storm. Jesus is the gift, the one worth more than anything. He is worth more this Christmas. And maybe if you are in the other side, if you aren't feeling so merry this Christmas and the storm is strong and you're struggling to find anything good, I think Jesus this morning is saying, look for me, I'm there. I am in your storm, I'm the diamond and I can intervene in your situation. And I think he wants to say this morning, you are not alone. God sees your hurt. He sees your heart and he wants to comfort you. He wants you to let him be part of your Christmas, even if it's chaotic. Jesus can appear to you. He can intervene. Jesus never promised to eliminate the chaos in our lives, but he did promise to bring meaning to it. He was the promise. He was the one to cling to and he still is today. Jesus' presence was the diamond in the storm. Look for Jesus' presence in your storm this Christmas, over the next few weeks, over New Year, because he's there. So I want to take a moment. I'm going to pray, but this might be foreign for you. We do this at our church back home where we're going to pray and I'm going to leave space for God to speak to you. So it's going to be silent and use that time. Maybe God's spoken to your heart this morning. Talk to God about what he's saying in you, the promptings that, or maybe emotions that are rising up this morning, and then I'll finish up. So don't feel uncomfortable in the silence. If God's not saying anything to you, that's awesome. Just praise him, worship him. But if God is speaking to you, just be in that moment. Allow him to minister to you. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the first Christmas that we can just see through Mary and Joseph's story that you are worth it, that you are the diamond in the storm, and that you can intervene in situations and change the story. And I pray over every single person here today that they will see you in our lives, they will see you in the storms, that you will speak to their hearts. Father, I just pray in the silence that if you'll minister to people 